Hello, 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 amazing humans. Um, welcome back to the Queer Connections podcast. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Kita, and I am here along with amazing guests that I bring on to give you tips, tools, and strategies that you can use in the dating process right now to make your next dating journey your last. And today I'm very, very, very excited to have a friend and collaborator and um, a fellow dating coach and matchmaker, Kara uh, Larix, here with me today. And we are going to really break down and talk about attachment styles. Um, I know a lot of people know the basics of attachment styles, but we're going to get into how you can really um, identify them and use them in, in the dating process and communication early on in the dating process. So um, I'm super excited about that. But before we jump in and get started, let me introduce Kara to all of you and let you know exactly who she is and what she's going to bring to the table today. Um, I have her amazing bio, so I'm just going to read it out because I don't want to mess it up because it's too good. So Kara is a powerful voice and connector in the LGBTQ plus community. In addition to matchmaking, Kara's experience includes roles such as coach, educator, public speaker, writer, editor, and notable New York Fashion Week designer. That I didn't know until I read your bio. <laughs> I <love it>. <laughs> <laughs> Above all, she is driven by the power of human connection. Kara's passion for love and her commitment to the LGBTQ plus community, safety and happiness drives her to work with others in their journey toward fulfilling long-term relationships. She loves her life with her wife and their two pups, Ripley and Marcel. Welcome, Aww. Kara. So you here. Thank you, Kita. I am so excited to be here. I respect and adore you and cannot wait for this conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours and I hours know. and hours. So I was so excited. So I know excited. we have. We have like through email and on the phone, like talked about stuff. And yeah. I'm like, let's just make it a podcast. We will probably do obviously more than one episode of this because attachment styles are are um, so significant. Anything pe more people are paying attention to them. So um, my first question for you is like, why attachment styles? Like why, why do you think they're so important when it comes to dating? Yeah, I am so grateful to have the opportunity just to have some time to really talk about this. I think um, one of the number one things that I'm asked for as a matchmaker and even as a date coach with people who are really looking for a good partner is somebody who is well, it comes in all different forms. Somebody who's self-aware, somebody who's done the work, somebody who's emotionally available. You know, I get those kind of buzzwords all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can really deliver the tools to people that we work with, daters, singles, so that they can understand a little bit more about themselves and why they do what they do, yeah. that right there is a head start on being self-aware, having done a little bit of the work and really understanding themselves so that when they're out on that date, they really do show the self-awareness. Yeah. They show that they've done a little work. And if that's what's being asked for, that it is my job to help people have it so they yeah. can be eligible daters and singles. So um, yeah, I just think it's so important to take the time to really explore this just a little bit and help people along in their own journey before they're even um, feeling ready to meet somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Did you use when you like met your wife, like, did you know your attachment style already? And how did you, you know, you two fit like figure that out? Um, embarrassingly, no, <laughs> I had no idea. But if I had had a great idea, yeah, it would have made a lot more sense why things worked. Mm. And it would have made a lot more sense why relationships prior to meeting my wife did not work. Absolutely. And in fact, when I, it all started with the book attached, which is like one of my matchmaking Bibles. I love yep. having it at the ready all the time. But when I read that shortly after I met my wife and I was just getting started professionally matchmaking, mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense why things didn't feel good and comfy and secure and homey prior to meeting Jen, who is my wife, right. which I'll probably talk about a ton during this conversation. I love but, it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love her and I love the fact that I really do understand why we are a good fit and yeah. what makes our relationship work. 
Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's like further confirmation. I think even when people get into relationships or when relationships don't work out, we're pondering, we're like, why? Like, why didn't it work out? What's wrong with, that's probably the number one question. It's like, what's wrong with me? And I think the more that we understand attachment styles and understand how we show up and how other people show up, it's kind of that confirmation, whether it's like confirmation of like, ah, now I know like why, you know, my marriage and my relationships work or like, ah, like I can definitely see why that didn't work. I just, I think it gives people a sense of um, security, so to speak, of knowing that whatever decision was made of letting somebody go or being in a relationship with someone, it really gives them that confidence to know that they made the right choice. I'm with you on that. I feel like, um, you know, so many people come to me and they're like, this isn't working. This isn't working. I just want to get into a great relationship. And it's so frustrating because I feel like I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And it's just so nice to take a minute and really break down and look at some of the patterns in past relationships and just start to notice those past patterns and then realize Hi, me. I'm the problem. It's me. You know, whatever the um, the, the, the realization is, is. Yeah, but the, the but the realization that there's a common denominator in yeah. choice quite often, and it's such a relief to understand really where that comes from. There's a reason, and gosh, what a relief going forward that you can make some shifts in what you're doing and really get yourself closer to a healthy relationship just by having some awareness within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So let's break down the basics. Like I know, you know, most people know what the um, four attachment styles are. They're secure, um, avoidant, which is also dismissive, um, anxious, which also can be called preoccupied. And then there is uh, fearful, which can also be called disorganized attachment style. Um, So can you break down like those four attachment styles for us just really quick of just like um, just I guess like clear definitions about what those four are? Yes. Well, let me start by saying I am not an expert in attachment theory. I really am not. I will highly, highly suggest that anyone read the book Attached. I feel Mm -hmm. like that breaks things down um, the clearest. And really, when I'm working with my clients, I really break it down into just three to keep things simple. So I really educate my clients around an anxious attachment style, a secure attachment style, and an avoided attachment style. Mm. Because I think that basic understanding really is very helpful. And I know there's so much more we could go in more in depth, but for the purpose of this conversation, I feel like I want to keep it kind of simple, especially if this is sort of a primer for somebody listening about attachment styles and how they can be applied. So first, let's just start with secure. So secure attachment style, especially when related to dating, is the person who is comfortable with themselves, feels pretty good around um, communication with others, doesn't get too worked up if a text takes a while to come through, doesn't jump to any conclusions or worry too much, doesn't feel suffocated if they get too many texts. They can pretty much set some easy boundaries around um, communication and just starting to get to know someone. Mm -hmm. In terms of an anxious dater or somebody with an anxious attachment style, this is the person who is like, why aren't they texting me? You know, I want, I I really want to know exactly where I stand with this person, even though I've only gone out on one date. I want to know that they're in. I want to know that they're looking for a serious relationship. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. And they have this desire to just really, really be very clear on what is happening as they're dating. And then of course we have the avoidant attachment style. And this person can look like, oh my gosh, they've texted me twice in a 24-hour period. This is way too much. They are coming on way too strong. I don't even know this person. I am going to bolt. And I'm just not even interested in responding because I feel suffocated. So that's very, very simple. But really, where attachment styles come from are childhood patterns, connections with parents or caregivers or people who are really important in our lives as we're growing up. And if we take a minute to kind of look back and look at the types of relationships that we've had with these really important people in our lives, Mm -hmm. they do sort of give us a peek into how we might tend toward an an attachment style. Absolutely. So for example, uh, and you tell, jump in at any given moment if I'm just blabbing on way too much, but like for myself, I think about, um, I definitely tend toward the anxious 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of it. Oh, I see you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it's us. Um, but yeah, I think back to even growing up with my mom. Love my mom dearly. My mom did the very best she could, obviously. But there was a lot that I was really seeking approval for a lot of the time. And yeah. I think this stems from my mom's own attachment style, where she was always seeking approval from her parents, grew up in a larger family, didn't get a whole lot of attention. And so was always trying to figure out how she could be the good kid in order to get some of that yeah. attention, affection, you name it. And I think that was passed down a little bit to me too. You know, I kind of, I knew the rules. I knew how to please. I knew how to get attention. And so I anxiously would try in every which way possible to get that attention. And then as an adult, how that played out is really trying to be the perfect partner, you know, and really wanting to know where I stood all the time, all that good stuff. And it wasn't until I met Jen, somebody super securely attached, where even the more I went in in, in, in in anxiously, she could set some very clear, lovely boundaries and let me know that everything was okay. And I didn't necessarily have to approach in such an anxious way. And over time, things changed a bit. Okay, I digress. Yeah. Let me stop right there. And just <laughs> Well, it's no, no, it's, it's great. And I, I completely and totally relate in that. Like, you know, I can see where my anxious attachment, you know, like my, my parents got divorced when I was five. And so my, what I discovered inside of that is like, you know, there was four of us and I was the one in the middle and I was always like, how can I make things not as difficult for my mom? Like, as we had a, you know, pretty, and I'm five, but I'm thinking to myself, like I see my mom being upset. So I'm like, okay, how can I like make sure that she's okay. So I was like being the good kid and make sure I wasn't like really bringing problems to her. And then on the flip side of that with my dad, it was a lot of, is he going to show up to pick me up? Is he not? If he doesn't come get me for the weekends, does he not love me? So, I mean, I like, I definitely got like double whammy of like, just trying like, can I be good enough for my dad to come pick me up on, on, you know, this weekend or like when I'm there, like I used to get headaches a lot as a kid. And I was like, well, I can't have a headache and I can't do this. You know, I have to be like the good kid and the please and but always so wanting to know like am I being loved like you know neither one of my parents really showed a whole lot of affection so it's like so I can definitely understand that and and see how it showed up (laughs) in my relationships and even sometimes in my marriage now like if my wife works a lot I'm like I'm so alone and what's going on and you know and I can spiral sometime of like are we doing this thing right you know and it's like and I could but I have that self-awareness of my attachment style to where I can go okay how can I take care of myself you know what what can I give myself that I probably needed as a kid how can I you know maintain my sense of self and so I 1000% get that um uh, my my wife is not securely attached like your wife is, but like we're both self-aware, so we very much know. So just for everybody out there listening, you do not have to go out and find somebody that is securely attached to have a successful relationship. And I say that because most secure people, like secure people make up, and this is what I read, secure people make up what, like 50% of the population, but majority of them are already in relationships. So I get people all the time that are like, I want to find somebody that's secure. I want to find somebody that's secure. And I'm like, "Mm, but the chances of that are, you know, kind of slim because they're already in pretty healthy, committed relationships because they are securely attached. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I cannot, um, ditto mirror, enforce, whatever, you know, you've just said enough because I think the one other thing I think is really important about attachment styles is taking away the stigma that one is better than the other. Yes. You know, I, because really we don't have a lot of control over how we were brought up or how those initial relationships formed in our lives or how our own attachment styles um, were formed. And it, it can be difficult because difficult words are sometimes attached with different attachment styles, right? You know, anxious can be needy or overwhelming, clingy, Mm -hmm. and then avoidant can be distant, cold, Mm -hmm. um, takes off leaves, you know, there, there are things that are really that connotations that are not so helpful with each attachment style. But you're absolutely right. You can be in a relationship with 
any attachment style and you can have any attachment style yourself. Mm -hmm. The real key is having the awareness around what yours is and how to handle the triggers for you. And then what your partner's attachment style is and how to work within the triggers for your partner. And if you have that awareness, have some good, healthy communication, really, you can tackle any combination of attachment styles. Yeah. And I think we have to realize too, that I think with anything, there's a spectrum and it is possible to have characteristics of more than one attachment style and it shows up differently, right? Depending on who you're in in relationship with, right? And that's, that's just because we experience a lot of different relationships in our life, especially, especially like growing up. And so I don't think you can be like, I want to find somebody that's like secure because they may have remnants of someone that is anxious, uh, you know, anxiously attached or, you know, or anything like that. So I think it's like when we can realize it's a spectrum, we can all grow and learn and, um, and have moments of secure attachment or have moments of being avoidant, whatever, um, then we don't have to harness on like, well, I don't want someone that's avoidant or I don't want someone that's 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 anxious. Um, because I hear that all the time and I'm like, well, I'm anxious and I think I'm a pretty good catch, you know? Same. <laughs> Same, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So let's get into how, you know, because we don't want to just talk about attachment styles. We definitely want to get into how this, you know, shows up in dating and how we can use it in dating. So what are some of the, um, like, early signs um, or early um, behaviors that people can look for in the early part of the dating stages? Yeah. Gosh. Okay. So this is a big question. You know, I think before even getting across from, you know, that first date person, I think it's pretty key to first take a minute to explore your your own attachment style. So mm-hmm. I know this is backing up a little bit, but um you know, as I started by saying, people are really looking for that self-awareness piece as you sit down and talk with someone and really showing signs that you've taken the time and made the effort to explore yourself a bit, I think is a great jumping point for a conversation to then figure out who someone else is. Yeah. Okay. So this is a jumbled way of saying it's as simple as sitting down on a first date and saying, what have you read lately? Or, you know, what are you into? And this is just a lovely open door for saying, I've been doing a little bit of reading about attachment styles lately. And what I've discovered for myself is what about you, you know, and kind of throwing it back and forth to just really, there's no way to tiptoe around it or try to be a, a spy or sleuth or, you know, whatever. It's just kind of like lay it out there on the table, what you know, and what you're kind of wondering about. And I think that kind of honest, direct awareness is um, such a treat. And the person across from you may come back and just say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And (laughs) that gives you the opportunity to just be like, well, I found this kind of helpful because I noticed a pattern in myself. I was dating these kinds of people and here's what I'm looking for. And that kind of conversation is hot. It's just like, raw. Okay. You really are taking this seriously. You really are looking for someone. So let's get into it. Yeah. Do you think that's like to like, like how many dates in do you think you should uh, have that conversation? I get, and people ask me this all the time on my TikTok and they're like, is that a first date question? Like, how do I know? Like, are there behaviors that, that people have that I can look for to kind of hint at what their attachment style is? Yeah, of course. Okay. So I think it depends on your personality, how far in you have a conversation. Yep. For me, I'm kind of like no holds barred or whatever the right saying is. Like I jump right in fast with people and, you know, throw stuff like that out with laughter and, you know, yeah, make, make it, it fun. light so that it's fun and interesting and, and whatever. So for me, it's fine. But for somebody who's not quite comfortable with, with the whole idea and they're just kind of developing this awareness yeah, maybe tiptoeing into attachment styles on the first date is going to feel like a little bit much and a little bit intense. I had a client who I just adore. He's amazing. He's one of those who just soaks in self-help stuff and self-awareness. And I taught him about attachment styles and he was throwing it out everywhere. He's like, what is your attachment style? What are you? And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Like the foundation of fun first, and then we can move into that. 
But I do think that there are some kind of telltale signs of what somebody's attachment style is. Yeah. But not always. Nothing is an absolute. Right. The overtexter tends to be anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who really needs super, super clear how you're feeling, what you're doing, where you are, those kinds of things, those can yeah. kind of indicate uh, an anxious attachment style. They also tend People, to overly invest. Typically. Yes. They're it, like, they want to dive all in, want to define something pretty quickly. Those people tend yes. to be um, anxious. Yep. 100%. Um, and then on the flip side, avoidance really, um, it might take them a day or two to text back. And I don't ever like to attribute this solely to attachment style because sometimes people are just busy. Let's right. face it. Yes. Yep. It's it's hard for the anxious to give grace, you know, in that, and, and to imagine that as a possibility, but it is true. It. it is true. That's yep. part of our self-work around being anxious. But um, yeah, and avoidance really can avoid some of those deeper conversations mm-hmm. early on. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a little bit longer to warm up, build a foundation of trust and fun and before they're really ready to invest. Yeah. Um, they probably definitely so yeah. play like they're the what I call cool cats <laughs> because uh, yeah. they 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 want to play cool. They're they're wanting to kind of pace it and and give a little bit more time. They may even say, well, let's just go with the flow and see see where it goes. Um, those tend to be the people that I run into or work with that are avoidant. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, 100 percent. And then for people that are securely attached, I love this one because people have asked me what's the difference between someone that's securely attached and then someone that's love bombing, right? Because people that are securely attached, they're typically open, you know, emotionally. They don't necessarily mind sharing, you know. You can sense a little bit of vulnerability. They're typically calm with how things are going. If you don't text them back immediately, they're like not – not scrambling around. Um, But I've had someone ask me, okay, well, how do I know someone is securely attached versus someone that's just kind of love bombing me? Such a good question. This is a time to really pay attention to how your body feels Mm -hmm. with someone. This is, it's important to pay attention to your central nervous system. Is that the right word? I think so. Anyway, Mm -hmm. somebody who is (laughs) securely attached is going to make your shoulders drop, make Mm -hmm. you kind of relax in your seat, make you lean in because you're interested in what they're having to say. It's a sense of ease and a sense of calm and not a sense of panic or anxiety Mm -hmm. or like, uh, are they they into it? Are they not? Yeah. But somebody who's love bombing can really activate that central nervous system. Somebody who's love bombing, you're like, my head is in the class. I yes. cannot believe that they are are treating me this way. And I mean, it's just almost too good to be true. Wink, wink. It might be. Yep. You know, like, it's just like, I can't, I, I have never like felt this madly in love with someone. I've never felt so showered with attention and they're right there when I text. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a feeling that is just a little bit heightened for my taste yes. as someone who loves a healthy relationship. Yes. It's a sense of ease versus a sense of heightened anxiety or just sort of over the topness. Yeah. And I tell people too that love bombing is an uh, indoctrination. And so in order to like indoctrinate someone, you're going to have to know a lot about them. So they may seem really interested in you and all that, but are they interested and are they sharing at the same time or are they interested in just gathering information but not really sharing too much with you? you not really open e- emotionally, right? And can you set boundaries with them and it's okay? Like people that are love bombing want to be around you all the time and want to make you feel mm-hmm. great all the time. People that are secure are like, cool, we went on a date, you know, on on Saturday, let's not see each other until next Saturday. And we'll text yeah. and talk like as it goes and they appreciate your independence. But someone that's love bombing, it's going to be like, where are you? What are you doing? Do you want to hang out? I want to see you every day. Like like really just, and that's where that intense emotion comes from because it, it may feel good. It may feel like, oh, they're really paying attention to me. But are they paying attention to you or are they just like driving that emotion in you to kind of put your heads in the clouds so they can gather information to maybe later take advantage. That is such 
that was beautifully articulated. And it made me think of an example with my wife early on when we were dating. Um, I was going through a bit of a time. I really, you know, I, as we all do, but yes. And I really don't think I had any business dating whatsoever, but it didn't matter. You know, sometimes timing doesn't fit with where we are at our lives in our lives. And that's okay. Um, But I remember one time she, she texted or called and I don't know, asked me to go to a movie or something like that. And I, I don't know where I was at, but I was probably punishing myself for not having the job I wanted at the time. Who knows what I was doing? I was just like doing something crazy. And I I said to her, I was like, you know, I just don't think so. I think I need to send out resumes. I think I need to do this. I think I need to do that. And I remember she said, okay, that's, that's great. You know, talk, talk to you tomorrow. No biggie. Yeah. And I got off the phone and I was like, but I really want to go to a movie with her. Oh my gosh. So, you know, called, called her back and said, I've changed my mind. I would love to go to a movie. And she was like, okay, great. I will pick you up at seven. You know, it's just this very calm ease. It's it's nothing like, oh, but I really want to see you or, oh, I was really looking forward to seeing you or, oh, I this or, oh, I that, which has kind of the the love bomb flavor to it. You know, there is no pushing. There is no, um, you know, which if let's say she had responded that way, in my state at the time, I probably wouldn't be like, oh, okay, let me just yes. finish, you know, sending these things out. And on, on. But it, there's a real difference in those two. And I think that's just one example that can tell you, do you feel calm at ease? And then you can make a decision on your own about what you want to do. Yeah. Or do you feel a little bit pushed into something or overwhelmed or like, you know, it's too much. Yeah. I love that. And I love that she was just like, okay. Just giving you the space to be where you are because like an- because people that are anxiously attached, like our whole world, the rest of our world can be just really messed up depending on what we're, be- you know, being anxious about, you know. And so if we're focusing on our relationships and things with our jobs and other things can kind of fall to the wayside because we're so anxious and focused on that. And I think it was so important that she was just like, okay. Wherever you are, that's totally okay. And then when you changed your mind, she was like, okay, no big deal. Where I think some people would be like, well, what do you want? Like, what, you know, and I think that's the difference is like people that are securely attached or even people that are aware, right, can be like, yeah, however you are is okay. And I love that. And it's beautiful. And (laughs) I hope everybody out there is like taking notes. Please take note of that because that is so significant and important. Okay. Thanks. Um, Okay. Let's talk. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one more thing that dawned on me. I was in the shower thinking about our conversation and thinking about, you know, those things that I really listen to from my clients around what I think are good signs, like green light goes. Yes. And, and the biggest one that I hear is ease. I hear easy, I hear flow, Mm -hmm. I hear comfortable, you know, I hear those things that some people will attach to boring or not interesting or not adventurous or whatever, but really those are the ones easy, comfortable flow. Those kinds of things really indicate to me, great green light go forward. Yeah. There was another one that I used to think really felt like a good green light go and that I've even used myself when talking about Jen. Mm-hmm. And that is the feeling, and it's just the word that's the problem is the feeling of home. Mm-hmm. I think when we're talking about attachment styles, sometimes that home that we think of that we grew up in can be really anxiety producing yeah. or can feel very like, Ugh. and mm-hmm. so when I use that word, what I'm realiz- realizing now, uh, understanding all of this is that home felt like a secure attachment, like a secure fit. And Jen felt very secure and safe to me. And I was equating that with what I think probably the greater society equates home feeling like when in reality, actual home can feel very anxiety producing. So um, I don't know, that's just something I was thinking about this morning and wanted to point out that really the feelings of ease, comfort and flow are what I think we should be really looking for to indicate a good long-term compatible match. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> in, it, <laughs> in it of itself, because I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people about that. And I think we do get caught up in like the adventurous part and it not being boring and things like that. But it's like that we I think we're so not used to peace and calm that like chaos is adventurous to us and you know most people with insecure attachments that's how they grew up with some form of chaos and so um even if it's like boring right as i tell people and i'm like well just see especially early on the in the dating process we'll just just see like try to add some adventurous kind of things in and see if they can meet you where you are but we are so used to, I think, just relying on our body of like, well, I feel this way and it feels really exciting, feels really adventurous or it feels boring or it's too easy that, you know, we want to dismiss people. So I love that. I love that aspect of of home, but kind of shifting what that looks like and what that what that means for us. So. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I was like, boy, do I get my most poignant points in the shower in the morning? <laughs> every time, every time, because I, I think it's just like calming and like you know thoughts just come flooding in. So there we go, calming. Yeah. Flip- see, see. I hope everybody's paying attention. Take some notes. Calm is good. Calm is good. <laughs> um, how can I? I know communication is a is a big thing in relationships and dating and people talk about that all the time like communication is the key so how um can different attachment styles um communicate effectively early on in the dating process to ensure that you know they're actually getting what they want yeah you know i think knowing your attachment style is very along the same lines as knowing your Enneagram number or knowing Mm -hmm. your Myers-Briggs or knowing your love language, you know, whatever it is. I think it's just one more tool to be able to describe to others who we are. I, I think everyone comes to the table with their own love manual. And what I mean by that is you have your chapter on childhood. You have your chapter on past relationships, got your little attachment style chapter, your love Love language chapter, you know, all of these things. The only trouble is when you sit down on a first date, they don't get your manual ahead of time. So they can't read through. They have no idea where you're coming from in all these years and chapters and stories of your life. And you don't know theirs. Right. So I really think that, like I mentioned earlier, laying it out pretty, pretty quickly in a joking, comfortable, easy way around who you are and what you need to feel comfortable in a relationship is, is pretty key. And you don't have to do that in a very serious way. You can let in little bits and pieces. I'll, I'll be more specific in a minute. Yeah. But then the real trick is just watching if the other person picks up what you're putting down. Mm. Are they listening? Do they then act accordingly? Do they then do what you've asked that they know makes you comfortable? Yeah. And if so, great, full speed ahead. If it goes right over their head, if they don't take it in, if they keep doing things that don't feel good to you, that's probably a pretty good indicator. You can edit them out of, out of your, you know, dating roster. Yeah. Um, Yep. Or you can go in again and really ask again for really what you need. And I, like I said, I think this can be done really light, lightly Mm -hmm. and in a fun way. So, um, you know, you're sitting down, who doesn't start talking about the dating experience, you know, when they're right. chit-chatting with somebody new, who yep. doesn't complain about the apps, who doesn't, you know, be like, I dated this person who blah, blah, blah. Use the stories of your life to teach the person across from you what does and doesn't work for you. Mm. So in a very lighthearted, positive manner, say, I was dating someone for a while and, you know, it would take a couple of days before they would text me back. In those couple of days, I was like, what is happening? Did they get run over? You know, where are they? Yeah. And I know that might be my anxious attachment style being activated. But in truth, I just love a check-in, maybe just once a day, you know, kind of if you're an anxious person and you know it, limit yourself a little bit, you know, meet somebody in the middle, but just deliver a fun story or a fun example of how you could feel really secure and loved in a relationship. And then all you have to do is sit back, relax, and see if the other person picks up what you're putting down. If they Mm. do, and they send you that text once a day, my gosh, that is somebody who's interested in you. That's someone who's listening to you. And that's someone who is understanding how you need to be loved and showing up for you. Oh, I love that. I love that. 
Um, I think I, I think people find it really difficult to like, well, how do I say this, right? And I tell people all the time, like, you can make it a date if you want to. Like, do your attachment styles and have a little chart and like have a little picnic with it or whatever, make it a date. But, but that's really great because I think that's a really great way to talk about what you've learned from previous relationships without going into and talking about your ex and going into all of that but like really being like this is what I learned about myself and this is my growth and also I'm going to tell you what I need you know and can you meet that like can you show up can you put actions in place for that um, and I think for my avoidant people out there I think the biggest thing for them is to is to communicate when they're like not I hate to use the word disappear but when they're going to need their own time like how can you protect like your own time and your own space versus just like not communicating with with someone ever because that anxious <laughs> avoiding person is definitely going to be like what's going on so like how can you say well hey you know I'm really going to take today to myself right so if you don't hear from me I'm okay. I just need this time and space to like do what I want to do, hang with friends, whatever it is, right? So being able to communicate that. And so you can say that on a date of like, like, yeah, I'm totally, you know, I totally hear that you need check in once a day. And like, you know, I need my time to myself. And I like to take days just by myself. But, you know, I'll be sure to let you know when when that happens. And so poof, there you go. Like, <laughs> you know, you get the check Brilliant. in, you get to have your, your time and space. And so that's what we mean, y'all, by like communication is the key. I think sometimes we just think, well, let's just talk about the thing. But like it's really about letting the other person know what you need. That's what we mean by communication. This is so brilliant because I I think we probably don't talk enough about the strategies to help an avoidant anxious couple work. Right. Like I don't yes. think we really talk That's about that. That's my next that. question. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, no, I was just gonna <laughs> ask, like, for people that are out there listening, they're like, okay, if I can't find somebody that's that's secure, like, and I'm anxious and they're avoidant, like, how do we make it work? Yeah. Okay. So this is one of the most fascinating things. So in original studies on attachment style, it really was about babies. And what happened when their mother left the room yes. and they were left with a stranger? And then what happened when the mom came back in? Yep. And what they found it with babies with an anxious attachment style, you know, cried and, you know, wanted mom. And even when mom came back in, went rushing to mom, you know, this very anxious response. And those babies who have the avoidant attachment style, you know, mom came back in and they just kind of crawled the other way. Like this doesn't bother me, you know, whatever. But what's so interesting is that the levels of cortisol in each of these babies was both activated and just as high as the other. So internally, mm. both of them were experiencing the same uh, physical stress, mm. the same response, but what it looked like on the outside was completely different. Mm. So that's the thing that I think is really important to realize you know, anxious people are not bad. Avoided people are not bad. In right. fact, you two are coming from a very similar feeling on the inside <laughs> yeah. for probably very different reasons. And you're just reacting in a different way based on your nature versus nurture, you know, experience, blah, blah, blah. Right. Anyway, so what I'm saying is just being able to kind of see eye to eye and under your understand your partner on a deeper, deeper level and realize the two of you have more in common than you think. Mm -hmm. um, I think that alone is just a bonding understanding and experience. But then exactly like what you said, being very aware of what you need yourself yep. and then being able to give a little, if you're with somebody who's kind of on the opposite side of things as right. you are, and then clearly articulating um, what the boundaries are. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's avoided and wants to take off and needs time to themselves, great, perfect. That's what you need. Let your partner know that's what you're doing and give a return time, right. you know, so that they, they're not sitting anxious, worried about, you know, when you're going to come back, if you're going to come back, yep. give some really clear boundaries, parameters. And like you say, communicate over on the anxious side. I feel like sometimes that is more the, the anxious person's um, responsibility of, of just watching what they're doing, you know, watching their patterns a little bit yep. and saying, okay, what has this lovely avoidant person proven to me, you know, in the past, do they come back? Do they yep. show up? 
Yes, they do. Okay, there's no reason for me to go charging after them. I just have to wait. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have yep. to self-soothe. I have it's gonna be okay. Yep. And you know, really figuring out how to take care of yourself and how to take care of your partner. Yeah, absolutely. Even in those times, like but like I said, my wife is um uh, avoided and so she'll just like, you know, kind of do the disappear thing. And I'm like, hey, just wanted to check in to see like when are you going to like, when are you going to be back? Like, how long do you need? Like, what's, you know, what's going on there? Because then I know I'm like, okay, I'm set up and I'm like, all right, she's going to be really in work on like all weekend long. What can I do to take care of myself? Right. And then, you know, she may have, when I can do that and give her that space, she'll have moments where like, she'll, she'll take a break and then she'll come in and she'll love on me and like, just, you know, and say, thank you. And just like, give me kisses. Or she'll be like, Hey, I have a little bit of a break. Do you want to like have a little date night, go to dinner for an hour? Like it's just, it's really giving that space for the other person to show up however they need to in that moment. Right. And then like giving them the space to like be responsible for themselves. I think we try to fix the other person and we try to say, well, you will come here as, you know, an anxious person wants to pull an avoidant person in and avoidant person is like, just get away from me. Right. And so, (laughs) and so, but we want to like fix it. Well, we think what we're doing is helping them, but we're really just trying to soothe ourselves. And it's like, if your partner is not available, to to help you in that process. How can you soothe yourself? Can you reach out to your friends, family members? Like, what is it that you actually need? And be and both of you have to be able to communicate what's going on with you um, in that moment, and then come up with whatever the solution is together, and then mm-hmm. you know act accordingly, right? And take actions accordingly. Could not have said it better myself. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love this. I love this. Okay. So we're almost we're almost at our time. I do want to um read off this this I have people send me like questions and scenarios. And this felt like one that was very much um in the realm of attachment styles. And so I want to read it off and like want to have you give your thoughts. Okay. It's a little long. A little wrong, but I read fast, okay? I'm here for it. All right. So it says, my girlfriend is 28 and I'm 25. We were dating for eight months, living together for four of those months until I had to move to another country for work. She was very adamant about giving long distance a try. So we did. I have already had two failed long distance relationships in the past, but she was very adamant about trying long distance and she's never done it before. So we did. The day I moved to a different country, she decided to go sober, quit drinking and partaking in drug use. After about three months, our relationship began to have difficulties. For example, she was having a hard time with communication and not having that physical aspect of the relationship, but we continued on and tried to work through things. April comes around, and we've been together for a year now. At this point, we're going days without talking to one another. Her birthday rolls around, and I decide to surprise her for her birthday on um, then go back to the country I was living in two days later. When I see her, she is anxious, and the reunion isn't what I was expecting it to be. The next day, we have a lovely day together, very chilled, but still feels off. A few days later, she ends the relationship. Reason being, she is having a hard time keeping the spark in the relationship. She needs the physical aspect of a relationship. She doesn't want to talk sometimes, and she feels guilty for not wanting to talk to me for days at a time, and she feels lonely. She says, if you were still living here in the same city or with me, things would be different and she wouldn't be feeling this way. She doesn't want to be in contact and says she won't initiate contact moving forward. May comes around and I go to her house to collect my clothes from her wardrobe. We're all touchy, feely, kissing and having nice chat, but not getting back together. I leave the next day. It's now the end of June, and I move back to the same city she's living in. She doesn't initiate contact with me. I am only initiating and trying to make plans to hang out with her. The only time I've seen her is when I've run into her at the gym. After I see her at the gym, I walk her back home. I kiss her, and she walks away. (laughs) I ask her for another kiss, and she walks back to me and kisses me. We had a chat about how we both try to date other people and use those dating apps, but never had any luck. Um, I try to make plans to see her, but she is not receptive to the plans. She doesn't respond to my texts. I see her, 
Um, I see her, my mood lifts immediately, but then I get a feeling of foolishness. I don't understand what it is she wants. I want to send her down, lay all my cards on the table, tell her that I want to be with her. I see a future with her and want to build a life with her. My fear is that I do this and she rejects She rejects what I am saying to her. Uh, my friend of mine says that she's playing games and wants me to chase her. I don't know what to think about the situation because I've never gone through something like this before. Oh, there's a lot there. First of all, huge props for laying this out, being so vulnerable, yeah. sharing all the detail. There is just... Um, I never take for granted any conversation I get to have with someone about their love life yeah. because it is, it's so intimate. It's so vulnerable. So thank you for sharing all of that. First of all, whomever, whoever you are out mm -hmm. there. And then secondly, wow, here's where the um, work on yourself comes in. I think I would tell this person to take a really clear look at what they want out of a relationship, mm -hmm. almost make a list, what you want out of a relationship, and then a list of what you're getting out of this relationship. Yes. If those two lists are the same, spectacular, full speed ahead. But from what you're telling me in this, this note or this story, those are going to be two very different lists. Yep. If you want to get them a little bit closer to each other, you can do your very best to communicate what is going to work for you just within the next week or month in this relationship. Mm. There are a lot of steps between, hey, I'd love to be able to talk to you a couple times a week and I really want to be with you. Here are all my feelings. You know, we have all this history. Let's be together. This is what I need. There's a huge jump between those two. Yeah. One can feel doable. The other can feel very unattainable to someone who doesn't want to be in it, isn't sure, you know, doesn't know how to proceed. Yeah. Do I think there might be some validity to what your friend is saying that, you know, she's kind of playing, playing games with you? Perhaps. But I think the only way to really figure that out is what do you need in the next week or month from her to feel better and to feel like this is a good relationship for you? And then to be able to put it out there in just small pieces first and really, again, sit back and see if she picks up what you're putting down. Yes. If she does and she reaches out twice a week, hey, green light go. If it's radio silence, if she ignores your needs, if she doesn't even want to talk about it, if things go on as usual, my friend, it might be time to edit. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that was beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. I tell people this. I'm going to add to that. Um, I tell people this. It's like sometimes people don't know that there's an impact, right? So you have to communicate what the impact of her actions is, right? Like the back and forth, the not sure, like what's the impact of that on you? And then what do you need? And kind of like Kara just said, or exactly like Kara just said, does does this person have the ability now to then adjust, right, and put in actions to meet the needs that you're asking for, whether that's in the next week, in the next month? And then after that, if, if you know, it lines up for a week, like, can it line up for a month? Can it like, you know, after that, but it is in small doses. But can the the communicating what's going on with you and the impact is so important because I think a lot of times people do things out of habit, out of what they've just seen, right? Out of what they've seen from their parents or other relationships. They do things and they don't understand how the way in which they're showing up is actually impacting the other person. Like there's a whole other human being on the other side of that. And sometimes when you share that impact, it humanizes people and they go, oh, my gosh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize this is just how I've always been is what people say. But if they can see that, then maybe then they're willing to make those adjustments. Right. And so share the impact, figure out what it is that you need and then, you know, ask for that and then see if that person can show up. Oh, that was such a key piece. I'm so glad you said that because that really is the evidence of like, yeah, when you take a look and figuring out what the impact is on you and how you're feeling, yeah. that often leads to, 
oh my gosh, I have felt this before in my life. You know, this has happened to me where I I didn't have any control over the situation and I couldn't make it better, but I'm an adult now and I can see where this has shown up in my life before. And look, here I am trying to do it again. I'm chasing again and again. Hold on. I'm going to stop this for just a minute. Let the other human know that this is where it comes from. This is how I'm feeling right now. This is the impact that it's having. And here's how I'd like to move forward. Between the two of us, I think we need to have an advice column or weekly. Yes, because that is solid advice. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) And I like, oh no, I love that because I didn't even think about, oh, if you're looking at, oh, the impact, like this is the impact of me. Like, oh, I have felt this before. I didn't even. They didn't even dawn on me, but I love it. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely like we we could do this all day. We could do this all day. I we gotta know. figure out how we're gonna do this more 100%. often. And yeah. Yes. So if you're out there, you know, Karen and I are down. Please send, you know, your questions. We're cause we do this work. Um, so you can transform your lives, right? Not I mean, it feels great for us, but so you can transform your lives. So you can we can transform the way we love, the way we enter relationships, the way we date. Like this is why we, you know, we have these conversations and we're on this podcast and we're date coaches and we're matchmakers. Like this is why we do that. So if you have those questions, send them send them my way. Um we do have to wrap up. So one last thing. What do you think the most important thing is that people can take away from um, from this in regards to attachment styles and dating? Oh, it's so hard to pick one thing. But I will just leave on the note of that which we appreciate appreciates. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is once you've figured out your attachment style, once you are able to then communicate it, and once you're able to watch somebody show up for you for the first time, appreciate what's right in front of you. Mm. Let them know, I can't thank you enough for the two texts last week. That mm. made me feel amazing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Notice it. Because that which you appreciate, appreciates, and you'll get more and more and more of. Good communication, clear boundaries, all that good stuff. It gets easier and easier and easier the more you do and the more you appreciate. So I think that's what I'll leave on. I love it. I love that. That gratitude and appreciation. Couldn't have said it better myself. Love the final note. Kara, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for for being here. Um, Where can everybody find you? I know like social media wise, all that, where can people find you? So sweet. Well, I must say I'm terrible at social media, but (laughs) you can follow me, message me at matched by Kara and it's K-A-R-A on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And then you can always email me too, just directly. It's Kara at three day rule.com. So it's T H R E E D A Y R U L E.com. It's the company that I work for. I love it. And we we will have that down in the description as well. But Kara, thank you very much. I'm sure we are going to do another, another episode together. So I look forward to, to having you on and for everybody else that's out there, that's listening and that's watching this. um, Remember to trust love one more time. And always one more time, we love you all. Peace, everybody.